All right. Well, on that note, uh, Pitbull and Tuxedo, that's a good time. Well, it's great to be with you again this week. As, as Pastor Valerie mentioned, uh, we were all up at Trinity Pines this week, and we had a great week, and we're tired, especially the old people are tired this week. Valerie's young, um, but we had, a, we had a great week, and God helped us. I mean, you know, there's, there's like tired, tired, and there's like good, tired. This is a good, tired. Um, I had the privilege of coming home. We had a great week at camp, and kids were just really responsive, entanglements, and um, all the ways in which our lives are wrapped around many things. So there's good entanglements and bad entanglements. But then yesterday, the privilege of coming home and officiating a wedding. Um, and a wedding is always fun to be the officiant because really, I'm there like a referee in a game. Because referees are going to be not noticed, right, until like disaster breaks out. And so luckily, no disaster broke out. So I was mostly there to be like, you know, just to make the players playing the game and saying the words. So it's kind of fun. So um, but it's great to be with you again today. Um, how many of you uh, like to be scared? That's unfortunate. Okay. Uh, speaking of scared, um, every day we assume things are normal, right? Um, are you scared of the dark? Okay. A couple of you. All right. That's okay. So uh, this morning we got to college church setting up the service there, and we were privileged to learn there was no power in the building. So we uh, began to maneuver. I kind of, you know, I kind of lead a first service there in the mornings, and so um, we were navigating without power and. It's going to be fine until the old people come and there's no air conditioning. So then it'll be really awkward. So hopefully they survived it. I haven't heard any updates about the power. So, But the dark can be a scary place because the dark you can't see real well. Um, have any of you ever been uh, caving or they call it spelunking? Is that the real word? Spelunking? Right? Is that a real word? Some of you are like really into know what spelunking is. Um, I haven't been in many caves. Like one of the few caves I've been into are the Cuna Caves. Um, and it's amazing how... Uh, there's a power to darkness. It's a power to things you cannot see. I'm getting so dark, literally you can't see the hand in front of your face. Um, um, do any of you like the horror movies? Like the, okay, all right, we have a few fans here, okay? All right. Um, we showed me a horror movie before. That's all you like a horror meme about how to post people to a wall. It's a long story. Um, I have to be honest, I've never been one to really like the horror movies. Um, I, I don't know. I'm usually not easily scared, but I just, you know, um, I'm not good with them. Um, but I have had a few situations in my life where I have been pretty scared. Um, it was 1991, and we were coming back. I know half, half of you weren't born. It's fine. Um, uh, thanks, Valerie, for making me, again, I was called to ministry. Yeah, I was like, uh, a couple of decades ago when I called Valerie to ministry. In 91, we were coming back from a mission trip to Mexico, we had come and we built some houses there. Some of you have been a part of those trips. And it was a great trip. We were exhausted. Um, and, you know, I slept on the ground and dirt. And it was, it was fine for us soft North American kids. And we had our first night back into the States. We were in um, a town. It was about like 30, 30 miles east of L.A. And it was about, I think, about 3.30 or 4 in the morning. And all of a sudden, we were in a hotel. We were in a third-story hotel. And all of a sudden, our headboard started going, like what is going on we realized the headboard was kind of nailed to the wall but all of a sudden we realized everything was moving everything was moving and all of a sudden so the the whole room started shaking pretty violently for like i don't know three hours that was three hours a long time (laughs) like a long time but then we jolted out of bed and so it was like four in the morning or whatever it was our youth pastor came and found us said we all go outside it was a big earthquake as you'd imagine in california so we went outside we were gas leaks and it was okay the next morning, uh, we were having breakfast about 8 o'clock, 
and all of a sudden, again, not quite as bad, the pool water started sloshing back and forth. And again, the aftershock, and again, that was almost a little more alarming because you were kind of awake and knew what was going on. Um, earthquakes can be unsettling. So you can't go anywhere to have it stop, right? You mean jumping up in the air doesn't really help real well. Um, um, I don't know what happens with earthquakes when you're flying. I guess when you're flying, you're okay. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm a scientist. But um, being scared is not fun. Sometimes going to new places uh, isn't fun uh, either. Um, one time, again, we were on a family vacation uh, in Hawaii when I was a little kid. And my uncle, who is actually an engineer for planes, he helps to build and design planes, um, we were out uh, in Hawaii in the ocean on a little, like, I don't know, little pontoon boats, you know, little motor in the back, right? And that's great for, like, ponds. But all of a sudden, you know, this is the Pacific, and, like, like big, like, storms come. And we're out probably about, I don't know, half a mile, a mile from the, from the, 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 the land. And all of a sudden, the waves are coming in. And, and there's more water in the boat than, like, there should be. And so he looks at me, and I'm there. There's, like, it's just, we're the only guys. The females were just having fun, I guess. We're getting nervous. Brent, start bailing. So I, like, take my hands and start bailing water. <laughs> Very effective, as you can imagine. Then he saw, hey, there's a pump here, an air pump. Maybe we can reverse engineer the air pump to, like, suck the water out and throw it out. And that wasn't any good. So... He said, we were all a little very nervous as he was like trying to remain calm as the waves were pouring in. Obviously, I didn't die because I'm here. Um, but it was a very helpful back to this day. My uncle is now like 75. Um, we remember that story and how God saved us from our three-hour tour on the water. Those of <laughs> I love old people. You all get my jokes. Everyone, you get that joke? Of course. Valerie has no clue what I'm talking about. Gilligan's Island. Google it. It's fast. Okay, there you go. Sorry. I love old people. You're my people. You get my jokes. I'm going to stay here forever. This week, this week when I like told jokes, I wasn't sure if the students were laughing at me or with me. So it worked out okay. So I don't really care. It doesn't matter. So a little, <laughs> a little bit of both is probably true. Um, we're going to be in the rest of this summer in the Gospel of Luke. Um, uh, the Gospel of Luke has its transition. You have Jesus' ministry in his hometown. He transitions over uh, into Jerusalem. And this is kind of a story in transition here. Um, this would be, for the Jews, their version of a horror story. Now, for you, it doesn't seem so bad, but I'll explain why later. Um, this is going to a place, it's about as bad as you can get for a Jew, right? So we're going to be in Luke 8, verses, um, chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. I invite you to stand as you are able and I'm going to read it um, from the CEB, um, so we'll, whatever version you have, it's fine. But again, um, they, Jesus' ministry is going on. Uh, he has just uh, calmed the sea, but then there's more seas coming. But they're going to cross over to the other side. Go to a place that's unfamiliar, a place where they're not sure they should go. So here are these words again from Luke 8, 26. Jesus' and disciples sailed to the Gerasenes' land, which is across the lake from Galilee. As soon as Jesus got out of the boat, a certain man met him. The man was from the city of the possessed by demons. You know what? I'm going to read before this. I want to add beforehand. This is too short. I want to read. Let's start at verse 22. Is that okay? I want to read this part too. This is also fun. It reminds me of like my Hawaii experience. 
So we'll start with chapter 8, verses 22. Then we'll read for a while. If you just sit down eventually, it's okay, I understand. But we'll read Los Angeles as long as you can. So chapter 8, 22. One day Jesus' disciples boarded a boat. He said to them, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they set sail. While they were sailing, he fell asleep. Gale force winds swept down the lake. The boat was filling up with water, and they were in danger. They tried bailing, it didn't work. No, that's not in there. <laughs> Although I'm sure they were. So they went and woke Jesus, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. But he got up and gave orders to the wind and the violent waves. The storm died down, and it was calm. He said to the disciples, Where is your faith? Filled with awe and wonder, they said to each other, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Then verse 26. So Jesus and disciples sailed to the Gerasene land, which is across the lake from Galilee. As soon as Jesus got out of the boat, a certain man met him. The man was from the city, was possessed by demons. For a long time he had lived among the tombs, naked and homeless. When he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down before him. Then he shouted, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. He said this because Jesus had already commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had taken possession of him, so he would be bound with leg irons and chains and placed under guard. But he would break his restraints and the demon would force him into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had entered him. They pleaded with him not to order them to go back into the abyss. But a large herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs. Jesus gave them permission. The demons left the man and entered the pigs. The herd rushed down the cliff into the lake and drowned. When those who tended the pigs saw what happened, they were not happy, right? They, they were not true. They ran away and told the story in the city and the countryside. People came to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully dressed and completely sane. They were filled with awe. Those people who had actually seen what had happened told them how the demon-possessed man had been delivered. Then everyone gathered from the region of the Gerasenes and asked Jesus to leave their area because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and returned across the lake. The man from whom the demons had gone begged to come along with Jesus as one of his disciples. Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell the story of what God has done for you. So he went throughout the city proclaiming what Jesus had done for him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Um, storms come in our life. Some are physical storms. Um, I uh, lived for about 10 years. Um, I was in the uncharted land of the Midwest. I mentioned that last time. And I will say the Midwest has one positive thing. Um, they have great storms. Um, here our storms are kind of, you know, boring and wimpy, you know. In the Midwest, you want a thunderstorm, tornadoes. Uh, now, the tornadoes are very destructive, and it's not fun. But the storm, they do storms, big storms in the Midwest. Um, and it's amazing how with all our awesome technology in the 21st century, like, nature can take up and, like, just humble us very quickly. Well, in that first century, you know, storms were a big deal. Um, the, the, the electric motorized engine was not yet invented. And so they're really prone to the winds and the waves as they would come. And it's important to recognize this. Um, there's a lot of history in the Bible about water as a place of chaos, right? If you recall that in Genesis uh, 1, um, 
water was over all the face of the deep till God's Spirit blew back the water. And, and um, also a great part of the, the Moses story. When Moses is putting a basket over the waters, that is kind of God guiding Moses over the chaos of life. The, the waters were a scary place. Uh, they didn't have sonar, right? They didn't know what was underneath them. They didn't know how deep they were. And so in the first, in the first century still, water was a place of great fear. And, but you'll notice in the Old Testament, only God had the power to calm a storm. So when Jesus, now again, remember, many of the disciples are fishermen. In case you're not sure, those are folks who live on their boats, right? And Jesus was a carpenter. That's a man who makes the boat, but not on the boat, right? So to me, it's always fascinating. Jesus gets in the boat and he then falls asleep, right? The, the storm was lulling him to sleep, I guess. Um, but the fishermen are, are, are really excited. This story sound familiar at all? Any Old Testament stories? Okay, there's a guy named Jonah, right? Now, what's interesting about the Jonah story, Jonah was a Jew whom God says, you need to go to Nineveh, your, the, your country's enemy, and preach the gospel and the good news. And he does not want to go. Why? Not because he's afraid of them. This is great. Well, it's terrible, but it's interesting. He goes, he doesn't want to go because God, he is afraid that they might repent and have their lives changed. He doesn't want his enemies repenting, spending heaven with the Ninevites. That's not a good deal. So he goes the other direction. But he goes into a boat. Uh, there's a storm raises up. He's sleeping through the storm. The fishermen are like, we prayed to all our gods and like it's not working. And Jonah goes, okay, the storm's because of me. So then they throw him out. The storm cease, and then he's swallowed by the whale, and da 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 da. So sometimes storms in that case arose with disobedience. But here's the important part of our story today. Sometimes storms arise even as we're doing exactly what God's will is. In other words, a storm in your life is not necessarily an indicator of you're doing well or poorly. Sometimes, and we often equate this, when any storm arises, we assume God's not happy. And I think the Bible will tell us here that's not the case. Um, but it was a case, certainly, that again, and God bless the disciples, right? Um, they've seen Jesus do, Jesus do amazing things. But still, in this case, this, it's a big storm. And they're like, we might die. And Jesus then calms the storm and says, you know, where is your faith? Um, for many of us, we're still consumed by the fears of life that creep in around us. But for us to see how God is Lord of the storms is important. So physical storms. But then they go to the other side. Now, have you ever gone someplace that your mom said you shouldn't go? Right? Um, you know, that place down there or that person's home. And some places that are not so much we're afraid of them, but they're not great places. Should I tell you this story? Sure, why not? Um, <laughs> So I grew up fifth generation Nazarene, right? Uh, uh, some of you have a long history. Some of you are brand new. That's great. Welcome. We need more. We had too much inbreeding. We need more fresh blood. So it's good. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Um, I shouldn't say that out loud, should I? That's right. right. Um, we're glad you're here. Whatever we're saying, I'm glad you're here. Um, for a while, the Nazarenes were really concerned about kind of lots of things we did, as we still are. And one of those was, for a while, um, you weren't allowed to go to movie theaters because they were terrible places, I was told. Um, however, I was curious, you could watch movies at home. So that was just a curious place about why this movie theater, or then of course you weren't allowed to go to like the dance clubs. And I realized the reason why Nazarenes 
we're allowed to go to dance clubs is, is physically, we actually don't have the ability to dance. It's not a gift we have. So they just to spare everyone else like that embarrassment. So. But it's interesting how places uh, can be a scary place. Well, they go over to a place called the Decapolis. For those of you who do math, Deca is what? You guys are geniuses. It's amazing. Deca, so these 10 Gentile, a.k.a. Dirty, seas, dirty cities, just think Las Vegas, right? Bad cities. We shouldn't go there. In fact, the Decapolis was um, an unlawful place. It was, the Romans had a hard time keeping it under control. People were getting out of line, and the Romans had to have lots of like, guards there to keep it in line. So this is not only a Gentile city. Gentiles, of course, are dirty for the Jews. We then end up in a cemetery, and for Jews, that's a terrible place to be. There's uncleanness everywhere. And then we come across a guy who's demon-possessed, and I love how the Bible says it was an unclean spirit as opposed to a clean spirit. Anyway, it was unclean. So in case you're not sure the spirit he had was unclean. And then to top it all off, this man was naked. Now, for the Jews, being naked wasn't so bad. Seeing someone naked, very bad. This is like the version of a slasher movie, right? It cannot, for a Jew, this cannot get any worse. We should not be here. It's an unclean place, unclean people, unclean activities. And then the final cherry is where do the demons go? Pig, the most unclean animal, right? <laughs> this is the story when Jesus, and what's curious is, and we'll get to this end later, but notice at the end, the crowd doesn't like it. We'll get to that part of the sermon in a little bit. Then this says, go back. So potentially, now, who knows what God wanted to do? But this, they come over to this one guy, potentially. Um, the sermon is pretty simple. What does it mean for us to cross over to the other side? For some of you, that might be, you know, across your street. Right? Some of you could be across over, you know, it's not only about physical places, but who are the persons and places that God's inviting us to be present with and to care for? So they go into this place, and this, this man is, is unclean. Um, what's curious is, um, if I use the word scapegoating, it's likely as the, as the, the writers are writing, they have the word scapegoating. What's curious is this man was from the city, but he was a man for whom um, he was outcast. And there were, again, for our 21st century, we're not sure how to make all sense of this, there were demons, many demons involved, perhaps in this guy. So that he, was, um, he would be, not be sane. He would... You force them, they, have these, they couldn't control him. He was marginalized to the very essence. Who in our culture today, beyond the demon thing, who are those in our society who are marginalized, who, are, who we just don't want to be around? Um, the homeless could be there. Um, prisoners. I mean, you, you know, the, the people who are on the margin. And by the way, Jesus spends most of his time with those whom the religious folks said, yeah, they're dirty. And what's crazy again here is this is beyond just going to, you know, dirty Jews. This is a dirty Gentile. Now, if we go backwards, all the way back to the guy named Abram or Abraham. Remember when God first called and created the Jewish people? He said to him, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless those of you who curse and curse those of you who curse. And then this in Genesis 12, I want your people, the Jews, to be a blessing to all the world. See, here's the deal. The Jews were called to be Yahweh's people, but not so they'd be special only in themselves, 
but they were to share the way of Yahweh to everyone. The problem is too often, and I'm not sure Christians have done all that better, they assumed God's election was because they were better and they were pushed away from the others rather than called towards them. The one thing for Christians is important we say this. Everyone in the world is loved by God. Amen? Everyone is a creature and a human is beautiful in who they are. I know some people are different than you. And sometimes that difference makes us nervous. But God is calling us especially to those on the other side for whom they've been marginalized and outcast and everyone has pushed them to the, mar- the sidelines. That's whom the church is called to be present to. And for some of you, you've done that. For some of you, you know what those barriers might be. Who are those folks? Could be, again, persons not about being far away, but who are we called to love and care for in our world? So they encounter this man and the demons, and Jesus has lord, lord over him. And the demons say, hey, by the way, it's curious that if you pay attention real closely, kind of a, a nerd observation, that the disciples in the Bible want to know who was this guy on the boat. But it's curious the demons know who he is. You are Jesus the Christ. Again, very interesting there, right? And they said, don't torture us, but send us into the pigs. And of course, for Jews, the pigs might have been all Satan filled themselves. Pigs were dirty, unclean animals, the split hoof, right? And so it's curious then about this last part. This works very well for Mountain Home. Is there are about five verbs that are all what are military terms? So literally, what is what was the, the demon's name? Legion. It was the size of an army. In the Greek, Jesus then commands them as a military term to go into the pigs. And then the pigs um, do a, they charge into the water. It's, the language is really, I have no clue why that is. There's this military theme here to this entire story with the pigs into the water. But then this man is healed. And great rejoicing over all the land. Well, not so much. Isn't it curious? This is not for, you know, you people, but the other people out there. How we're nervous when some folks get better. There are some folks we like to put in boxes of what they are and what they're about. Because inwardly, and not you folks, the other people, we feel better knowing, well, at least I'm not Mr. Legion. Somehow, there's a stability that occurs when we can just outcast this guy because he's dirty and crazy. And, but when he gets healed, it makes us, we're uncomfortable. I don't think that this is, the whole group comes out to him. I'm not so, it's simply about losing all the pigs, though I'm sure that was part of it. But somehow the healing God was offering was upsetting the apple cart. We like our society tiered. We like folks in certain boxes. And all of a sudden, this guy is now dressed, and he's sane, and now we've got to deal with him. We've got to treat him like Bob, whatever his name was. We've got to welcome him back in. But it was, to be honest, easier to say, oh, man, there's crazy legion. Get him out of here. He's bad for us. He, in fact, one of the things commentators think about, like that scapegoating thing, they think potentially 
Bob was kind of the scapegoat. When all bad things happened, they would blame Bob. It's all Bob's fault. Any history buffs here? Okay. All right. We have three of you. Exciting. Um, so we're not scared. And we like, three people like history. Very good. Um, I'm not a real big history buff either, but uh, when I go on long trips, I listen to like podcasts, and there are some podcasts that tell amazing stories. One of them was about World War I and World War II, which was unbelievable. For those of you who are, it just blows my mind, some of the realities of those, those wars. One of the things I've come to learn is that um, after World War I, Germany was so devastated by what happened in the League of Nations that it actually sets up the place for Hitler because they wanted a nationalistic leader to come and help rally the troops. But what was happening, this is happening for 100, 100 years or plus, not just in the early 1900s. Um, they had started to blame the Jews as the reason why all these bad things had happened to Germany. Now, there was anti-Semitism in Germany for a long time, but after, this, after you know, World War I and a post-World War I, it really takes deeper fear, uh, deeper fear. That was a weird Freudian slope. The fear, that was weird. Um, there was deeper anger about and resentment towards the Jews about this is why our great Germany had suffered. So literally, they were scapegoating them. It was the Jews' fault that all these bad things were happening. Do we still scapegoat today? I think we do. We but it was that person's fault. Uncle Joe, he's the reason our family's a mess. Whatever, I don't have Uncle Joe, but you get the idea, right? Um, it's easy for us to put blame on others, isn't it? And not only cast blame outside, we then think we're doing to that person. We're then saying, you're no longer worthy of our humanity. We're kicking you out. One of the harshest things about life and the, the, the pain of Legion is probably that he was all alone. One of the worst things we can do to humans is to isolate them. Right? Humans are meant to be together. So again, not only is now Legion now cured, but who's going to be our new scapegoat? Oh, we have to look at ourselves. We don't like that either. So they come to Jesus and say, Jesus, thank you for coming. Now please leave. <laughs> What's curious is, I wonder what other things and healing and teaching Christ wanted to do among the Gentiles. And because they said no, he said, okay. One of the things about um, our Wesleyan tradition is that we believe God is always pursuing, wooing, and going after us. But we do not believe that God forces God's self. God allows to choose. One of the, the Bible's crazy weird. There's this passage early on in, I think it's in Luke and maybe Mark. We'll find it later. Jesus goes to his hometown. And the Bible says, this is with him straight up. Jesus could not do miracles there because of their lack of faith. So with your, all of the power, I, mean, I don't know how many of your theology work about that, but it says there, Jesus could not do miracles in his hometown. They crossed to the other side. In some ways, this is one of the few Gentile encounters Jesus has. The Syrophoenician woman, the other soldier, but really Jesus' ministry is largely with the Jews. And who knows what Jesus was wanting to do among this Gentile people, but they said, you're upsetting the status quo. We'd rather live, and they wouldn't admit this, in our kind of broken system that we're comfortable in than for you to bring healing, which is going to upset things that are happening. Now, they wouldn't use the word broken and healing because in other words, they're saying, we like it how things are, largely because we're on top. We're in charge. 
And the folks underneath, too bad for them. We don't want to mess things up. But I wonder what healing Christ wanted to do that he just said, okay. And they just go back. That's what's weird is they let it go over there. They heal this guy, the pigs in the water. Town comes out and they said, please leave. And he just goes, okay, we'll head back. I wonder what times in my life I have said no either to following God's call like Jonah or in my own life and I have limited or restricted the healing and teaching God wanted to do in an area. Now that's a, that's a hard, that's a hard, heavy idea. The good news, of course, is God keeps reaching out. You'll see, of course, in the Bible that you have the Apostle Paul who's raised up to go back to the Gentiles. But it's curious that Jesus' few interactions, this whole ten, these ten cities over there, what Jesus perhaps wanted to do and was not able to do because of their lack of faith. So what does it mean for us today to go to the other side? To go to places that perhaps are considered dirty or unclean. Many of you know the great story of Mother Teresa um, who felt God calling her to go to India among these leper colonies for whom they were the lowest of the low and just go and be Jesus there. It feels like the last thing she ever wanted was attention or glory. Um, but she said, one um, of the great quotes, I'm going to kind of butcher it, something like this. It's only when you've seen, you can best see Jesus in the face of a dying leper, you can encounter God's grace. That's a, that's a great quote, but something like that. He, she found by going to those most unclean, most despised, most sick, she saw and encountered the face of Jesus. I'm not sure God's calling you to go to India. Um, but let me start with this. I also know some of you could feel, maybe not as extreme, more like the person who's needing God's healing. One of the great things, and it was so fun to be at camp this week, um, to give you know kids and all present tense to kind of step out of their lives, <laughs> put down their phones literally for a week, and just to listen to God. Um, and many kids talked about places of, of chains that were holding them captive. Um, for many of our youth leaders, it was again, it's just, and I know for many of you, we don't always have the space to really be honest and authentic. So we carry lots of stuff. And these teens found places in the rhythms this week to really, and when it comes, then it comes. Once feels, people feel safe and vulnerable, all of a sudden you can release all those things in your life um, that really have been holding you captive. Vulnerability breeds vulnerability. And we talk about with them and with you all, how do we create regular rhythms? I mean, you can be vulnerable, not just in Cascade, Idaho, but even down here in Mountain Home. But how do we create systems where we can be honest and let God's healing flow in us? So some of you this morning, to be honest, your prayer could be, I need some of that healing like the man did. Um, whether it's, you know, physical issues, relational issues. Um, I don't know the need there. Others of us, perhaps, and while we all have some needs, would say, no, where is God inviting me to go? Could be someone in your home to the other side of the house. Uh, could be someone across the street. Could be someone in a cubicle. Could be someone in a grocery store. Um, and the key is this. How can we be open to letting God use us to reach out to those in our world? That's the invitation today. This For the Jews, what Christ was doing was horrific. Who are the person's you kind of intentionally stay away from, are afraid of, afraid to get dirty. Okay, this is a little quick theology lesson at the end. One of the bad theology ideas is that God is too pure and can't stand to be around sin. Bad theology, 
He was uh, 10, 15 yards. Um, over, while God is holy and God is pure, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, God keeps going presently to those whom everyone thought they were too dirty, too sinful. If you're ever not sure about it, read the book of Hosea. Hosea graphically tells us that God keeps being present to us sinners who are dirty. Don't worry, God's holiness can't be tainted, right? But in God's holiness to encounter that is those who are lives who are broken and God wants to heal it. So we are invited to be present to those in our world um, whom God is inviting us to offer the love and the grace of God. That's the invitation. What does it mean for us to go to the other side? What's the other side for you? I'm going to invite Val on up and let's pray and then we'll sing. God, thank you this day for a great week. Lord, thanks for Val and I and others for the great week of camp. Um, but Lord, for the work here done, many of these friends here, Lord, uh, doing great work in their own lives and work. Lord, we're just thankful and privileged to the journey of each day. Lord, we thank you for this story. Lord, again, today, I'm not sure in this room if folks kind of identify more with the person who's felt ostracized or scapegoated, whom there is brokenness in their lives, and they need your touch again. And Lord, may you send people in their lives to come alongside and encourage them. It might be not extreme as a naked person in a cemetery, but Lord, you know in our own lives the kind of despair and hurt and pain even within. Lord, as those persons feel safe, may, may they feel free to share that with not only with you, but someone else. Lord, others of us, Lord, also, um, our lives are okay. We've got some issues, but maybe you're inviting some of us to go to that other side. Perhaps to seek reconciliation. Maybe there are some issues in a family. Maybe there's a co-worker. Uh, maybe there's a, someone we don't really know, but maybe there's a face or a name of someone whom you keep bringing to our life, whom we know is on the margins. Lord, maybe we don't have anybody in mind, but we just want to say, God, let me be willing to listen and hear and be willing to go. Lord, too often, like me, my life is so self-absorbed, worrying about my things and my agendas. Lord, for some of us, help us to see that we can find greater life and hope by being open to let you use us. So, Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And, Lord, may we be willing to let those who've been broken to find healing. Lord, may we never create a system of status quo where we don't mind when there are folks at a bottom layer whose lives are broken and we're not worried about helping them get better. So Lord, may we reach out to you seeking healing. May we reach out to you with the courage to go to that other side, whatever it might look like. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand and sing and pray. God, I just wonder this morning, uh, before we go, if you would say you would just want an extra prayer, you identify with some level with that legion needing healing, that man who is broken and lost. If, if that's your prayer today, just slip your hand up where you're at. We have an extra prayer for you. Great. Anybody else? You need some help this? Great. Great. One of the others of you today, thanks for those hands, um, for whom you'd say, I just want to say again to God, God, um, I want to renew my commitment that as I can discern your will, that I'll go to the other side. Um, I want to say, God, whatever that is, I'm open to that. That's you today. Raise your hand also now. I want to go to the other side. Good. God, thanks so much for these hands. Both you saw the hands who need extra touch today. Lord, I pray that they would sense your, spilling, your spirit's presence even now. I pray that also you'd create a conversation they can have this week with a friend who can keep praying for them. But for others of us, again, Lord, we pray, give us eyes to see and ears to hear that other side. Lord, that our lives can find joy and hope 
by sometimes crossing over boundaries and barriers that make us nervous, we trust that you are there and you want us to go. Into your Spirit's grace and power, send us. Amen. So, may you go in the power and the grace and the hope of God to the other side to love and be loved this week. Go in God's grace and peace. Amen.